Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, May 17th, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we talk about building, and more importantly, testing REST APIs with Ruby on Rails and RSpec. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. I forgot that part when I was typing up the notes, didn't I? I almost did, too. (laughs) (laughs) You could have blamed me. It's so hard to, it's harder than you think, dear listener, to remember from week to week. Even though we've done it 55 times now. Yeah, this, well, this will be 57, I think. Yeah. Oh, 57, is it? Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, coming up to the 60th episode. So exciting. Yeah. So, uh, geez, what's going on there? Last day of school? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the last day of fifth grade. <laughs> a funny picture of the little Kelly staring out the window longingly. <laughs> yeah, she was waiting for the bus. She was, she was a mixture of excited and sad because she, you know, she's going to a new school next year and everything. So. Right. In the, or in the fall, so. Yeah, that's, I can't even, that's crazy, thinking back to that sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, last week, we talked about selling clients on the API first approach to building apps, and we touched on the planning process a bit, so today, we thought it would be cool to get a little more specific and talk about uh, how to build and test them. Um, We also asked last week if anybody was interested in knowing more about pricing uh, quotes for this kind of work. And I got a teeny bit of interest on Twitter. I don't know if you heard anything. Uh, just the, the same stuff you got, I think. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in that, we'll, we can do a show on that. But it's a little bit out of bounds for us. So I only really want to do it if people are curious about how to price stuff for doing yeah. API-first development. Because it's definitely tricky. Yeah, because it is a little different than than what people are probably used to. Right. Yeah, there's not as much to... feels like the deliverables are a lot more vague. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, this week we're going to talk about something a lot more fun than that, a little less businessy than that, and that is specifically uh, uh, Rails development. Everyone loves yeah. that. And yeah. I think we're... So this is pure Kelly. Um, so I... Uh, I'll just turn it over to you pretty much. But uh, <laughs> the, the thing that I find, the thing that might be most interesting is that I, I suspect that you're going to backpedal a little bit on uh, older advice that we had uh, in the early days of the podcast about Sinatra. Um, I am. I'm, I'm going to say I like Sinatra a lot for little things. Mm-hmm. Like Avelio, right? I mean, Avelio's tiny, mm-hmm. but when you get into building larger APIs, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of backpedal on that. Interesting. All right, so there's a little teaser for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess to kick it off, I can just uh, say that the quote that we were talking about last week turned into a project, and uh, Kelly started blasting away at it all guns blazing yes it did and uh, i mean if the git uh, github commits are any indication you've made a lot of progress already yeah yeah i have i've been really happy with it so far it's it's coming along nicely 
Awesome. So, so the approach uh, that we took with this and uh, and is the recommended approach uh, was to document out the API first and then um, start turning that into an actual API. And that is that's what you did, right? Yes, yes, it is. I, and uh, I've I've had to make a couple little changes to the the things we had outlined in the documentation here and there, just to to kind of make a couple of things a little bit easier once you get in and start coding. But that's yeah, you know, that's that's not unusual. And um, you know, for the most part, though, things are, are sticking right exactly to to the docs. Cool. Except for the parts that aren't. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. You get in there and you're like, oh, this yeah. made sense on paper, but now that I'm coding it doesn't make sense yeah it's like oh i could i could add a token to this or i could write another 100 lines of code (laughs) (laughs) exactly and 100 lines of ruby code is a lot of code (laughs) (laughs) yes i suppose that's true yeah Yeah, so um i mean uh yeah so yeah where where do you start right like yeah like uh (laughs) You know, initial commit. You set up like, what's your what's your um, first step? Yeah. Is your your yeah, dev well, environment? I know that was kind of m- messed up or something. Yeah, well, I had I had kind of broke my dev environment because this this particular API deals with some uh, some, some some image processing stuff, and I had kind of broken my Image Magic installation, so mm. I had to get that sorted out first. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, you know, usually, if I'm doing anything, if I'm doing anything that is um, kind of out there and, and vastly different from what I have on my computer, then I'll set up a virtual machine for it. But I didn't didn't do that in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I start. Um, you know, to start out, I'll just uh, set up a, a a new Rails application. And there's a couple of things I you know I don't include in that when I'm setting up the Rails app. I don't include um, test unit because I prefer RSpec mm-hmm. and um, all of the things like uh, the Rails uh, assets and asset management and stuff we don't really need because it's you know, it's an API. There is no there is no user interface. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I started that, and then the the very next step was to um, I don't know if you remember or not, but I talked a little while back about um, actually setting up an API that we did do in Sinatra mm-hmm. or. Oh, no, it, no, it wasn't. It was adding adding an API to an existing Rails application, and I had to um, write a piece of middleware to serve uh, cores headers. Oh yeah, yep, I do remember. Yeah, that. so so that was the first thing I did was to take that and just drop it in and get those working from the start. So cool. We would have that support throughout. Right, so the and, API yeah. could be accessed from <laughs> yeah. JavaScript without uh, cross domain restrictions. Right. Right. Cool. And now, just to, for people who haven't used Rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, how would you characterize this setup? Because I'm not really a Rails guy either. So, I mean, uh, playing with it, it's like you run a couple of things to the command line and and scaffold out a project. Is it the same kind of thing for an API or is it a different approach? Uh, yes, the same kind of thing. You can, uh, Rails has several generators. Um, you can do the scaffold generator, which will generate your, your models, views, and controllers, or you can just generate each one individually. And... I, I started out, if, if you want to do the scaffolding generators, you can. And actually, that is how I started out. So that's a, it's a good time to, to bring it up, I guess. Because when I started, um, after I did my initial setup and got the chorus headers working, uh, I set up my first, uh, my first um, data, or my first model, 
and wrote my database my or wrote my database migration for that. Did the I I did generate that with um the Rails scaffold generation, and then that gave me sort of a webby oh a web interface there using the the automatically generated HTML CSS all JavaScript all that 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 Rails generates for the scaffold, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know. For some reason, maybe it's just me personally. I find when I'm starting out with an, an API, um, it's easier to, to kind of get things going to begin with as far as making requests and testing and, and doing things like that if I start with a little bit of data already in there to play around with yeah. rather than just jumping right into a create yeah. uh, create methods. Mm-hmm. So I just I use the scaffolding there to just you know, enter a, a few records and then... Uh, but I, I pretty much ended up just deleting all of those view files almost right away, just just like as soon as that was done. So, right, right, right. I mean, yeah, I could have easily just ran the migrations without the scaffold generated and and gone in and edited the database. Right. But whatever. Yeah. So. <laughs> so so for again non non Rails guy, how much work did you have to do to set up the data? Like, what do you have to do to set up the database? Just tell it like what kind? Like, do you point it at a server or like what do you do? Uh. Uh, by default, it does everything with uh, SQLite, oh, which right. Right. I'm just, which is fine for development purposes mm-hmm. for right now. Mm-hmm. And you can always go in and change the database config file to switch that over to uh, MySQL or Postgres or, or whatever you want to use. And um, so, yeah, initially, just when I was generating the scaffold, you just tell it, um, just pass the command right in. I want this field, it's a string. This field, it's text. This is an integer. Just that kind of thing mm-hmm. in that um, in that generator command. Gotcha. And you know, if you want to, you can also, if you don't want to do all that, you can go in and, and create the migration, write the migrations out by hand if you want to do that. But That sounds like work. Yeah, you got the generators there. Take advantage of them. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And what is that, like a YAML file or something? Uh, no, it's a, it's a Ruby file. Okay. Or the the database config file is a YAML file, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, the the migrations are Ruby files. Cool. I always was I was always sort of thrown by the migrations word because it feels mm-hmm. like I, it sort of makes sense after you've got a database, I suppose. But it always kind of threw me. Um, it just feels like a I don't know. Is it am I not understanding how it works? It seems like a seems like a weird name. Well, I guess you have to look at it as a it's a migration of the schema and not of the data itself. Right. It's kind of it it is kind of a weird name. It feels more like a like a versioning of the database schema rather than, you know, migrating something like like migrating data. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So cool. So database uh get that all set up and uh you get some data in there. Mm-hmm. And then you just start banging out um, like Ruby files, right? To to uh, right. handle the requests. Right. Yeah. the The next thing I did was go into the Active Record model for the um, the resource that I was working on, and I set up the Active Record validations. So, you know, for instance, a, a user account might have validate that an email address exists and it's the right format. It's unique, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so setting up those those um setting up those validations and setting up any kind of relationships, which I didn't have at that point because I just had the one the one resource in there. But um 
uh, and did that and and then once all that's written in the model then I'll just go just go over the controller and just add your add your code for your your rest actions you create create view update destroy that kind of thing mm. yeah so I'm actually looking at the project on github as you're talking about it and the mm-hmm. again for people who are familiar with rails this is not interesting probably <laughs> but uh, for people who aren't the the um, the validations that Kelly's talking about are extremely um, I want to say declarative. That's probably not the right word. They're just, they're, they're like very clear. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you can just read them. Yeah, it's almost plain English. Yeah, it's almost plain English. Exactly. And obviously there are certain, um, uh, you know, it's like based on stuff that Rails already knows about. So it's kind of a little bit of magic going on. You have to know what you're doing, obviously. I mean, we're talking about programming, (laughs) but, uh, but once you know what you're doing, it's, it's, you know, like things like validates email or presence or uniqueness. You have to know that those things are a thing. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, it's, you can read this without knowing hardly anything. You don't have to know anything about Rails to read this. It's like super obvious what it's what it's doing. So that's very cool. Yeah, it, it, the end result is some really get some really clean code that's just very clear and, and easy to pick up on right away. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and the controller code. If you don't have to deal with a bunch of different formats and a bunch of different view files being rendered and and that kind of thing, the controller code gets really clean and and, and a lot shorter as well. Mm, yeah. Now, does do you use so to to return the JSON? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the appropriate way to do that in Rails? Do you create like a? It's not really a view. Uh, well, actually, yeah. Well, I guess it is a view file. Um, at the moment, I don't have any in there yet because I'm just returning like the entire object as a JSON object and Rails can just convert it easily, no problem. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do anything like only expose certain bits of that object or if you want to add additional information to it or maybe uh, show children nested under it or, or anything like that, and you're going to need some kind of view file. And this is, um, I've mentioned it before, but this is where uh, Rabble, the Rabble gem comes in. Mm-hmm. And it stands for, I think it stands for Ruby API Builder Language. It's just a little, a little um, um, DSL for, for creating, um, does JSON and XML and XML um, view templates mm-hmm. for, for API responses. And so, you know, if things if things end up getting more complex than they are now, then I'll just I'll go ahead and, and do those because I have have the gym in there and, and it's all set up to use them. I just haven't needed to implement it yet. Mm. Cool. As I'm looking at this, I I'm getting I wish I almost wish we could like the dear listener could see what we're talking about. It's really hard to I feel like it's hard to express how straightforward this is. Uh, I wonder if it would be, it might be interesting to do a show where we, we talk just like we normally do, but we're also recording a screencast that we could post mm-hmm. of just like going through the build, uh, initial build of like a, a Rails API. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. And also we could just open source the code on GitHub. Yeah. That's, that would be cool too. But I, I mean, we can't for this, obviously not for this, but, but, um, and there's probably already a million videos that, 
walk you through this basic concept, but I feel like it would be interesting to see it from our particular perspective. Mm-hmm. Not, not that we're that special, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're, if you're like, a, if you're a long time listener and you sort of know where we're coming from, it might bring an extra pragmatism to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's so much content out there for learning rails. I feel like, uh, it's a little bit, it's, it's overwhelming. I know it's overwhelming for me. So I don't know if, if people are interested in that, I would be, uh, I would be interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to do. That would be super cool. Be fun to do. There's a, there is, there's a lot out there for rails, but I don't know that there's a lot specifically for APIs mm. with rails. Yeah. Not that it's, not that it's a big stretch from one to the other. Yeah, it's like one of those you things, know, though, like when you're, if you're just, I, I would feel like I don't care about all the view stuff, so how do I skip over that without missing something I need? <laughs> it would be, uh, uh, that'd be, that would be fun to do, I think, if you're yeah. up for it. Yeah, sure. So, sure. so, okay, so once, I mean, geez, like once you have your controllers, then where do you go from there? That's, that's pretty much it, is yeah, just move on to the next resource and and just keep adding. I I, I do it one one at a time and and just go through until they're all till they're all there, and um, that that and testing. Oh right, so yeah, yeah. so that's the that's probably the that's big the, story. Yeah, that's the that's the fun part. Well, <laughs> I don't know the whole I don't know the whole thing has been fun. I've really enjoyed really enjoyed working on this project. Cool, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I had like I said when I had uh, was doing things in Sinatra, and I had written uh, a few little tests with uh, test uh, rack test and and all that, and it worked fine. You know, I I have nothing against it, but um, since I was using Rails, I thought I'd go ahead and and do RSpec, set up my tests in RSpec, and um, I ended up doing a couple of things um, since I had uh, using those, and I also installed um, Factory Girl. <laughs> which is <laughs> which is a gem by Thoughtbot. It's for for um, for generating you know, little factories for automating uh, creation of your 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 data models and and what have you for your testing. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I just I went in and I set up the tests and at first like that first model that first resource I went in and I did everything and then I wrote tests to make sure it all worked. And and the next ones that followed after that, I kept kept inching more and more and more toward um, TDD. <laughs> yeah, test driven development. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I kept kept inching closer to it. From a conceptual standpoint, I a hundred percent love test driven development. The same way that mm-hmm. I conceptually love writing documentation first before, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're sort of you sort of begin with the end in mind and pretty much it, every aspect of business and even personal life and like any kind of goal setting. I'm a huge proponent of that, but it sounds so dull you know what I mean? and it doesn't sound fun at all. I just want to code, you know, I just want to like, I just want to get this little piece working and, and then move on. And uh, as a matter of fact, I did, uh, I'm working, I was working on a, a JavaScript front end JavaScript thing for the past week. And I, and I added a new module, totally broke an old one, didn't notice, <laughs> you know, cause I, I'm not, I was, it's just, it wasn't that complicated. So I was just shocked that I broke something, but, uh, 
you know, I did. And it's a pain in the butt. Everyone's like, yeah, you, we're testing this and it totally doesn't work. And, and I'm like, what the go. heck? Yeah. <laughs> it was like totally broken. <laughs> so it was just uh. dumb cross plot. So anyway, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a great thing. It's like, you know, flossing your teeth. You should just do it. <laughs> yes. Flossing with rails. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I had, you know, testing to me was always kind of annoying. Good idea, but kind of annoying to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, with the APIs, I'm leaning more and more toward testing being the greatest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it, it is just a lot of, you you don't have an interface that you can pull up and, and look at something and you can't making a new request to the API is not not as simple as typing in a, a URL into a browser. Totally true. Yeah, it's and, manually testing an API yeah. is painful. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, let me open up. Let me let me let me do something with curl. <laughs> yeah, or like like that graphical HTTP client yeah. we use, or it's just a pain. It's really painful. Yeah, yeah, I, I used that for about 10 minutes. I was like, wait a minute, why don't I just write tests for this? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. So where so, where are those in the project so I can kind of try uh, and... They're in the spec folder. Okay, and so and inside the spec folder, there's controllers, factories, fixtures, models. And like what, how do you, how do you run the tests? Um, it's, a, it's a rake task. Okay, so you go to the command line, you run it, and what does it do? It looks in, it goes through each of these different directories, and yeah, yeah, it goes through each of those different directories, and it randomizes the order that it runs them in each time you run it to make sure there's not any kind of, you know, one model not dependent on another. Yeah, so the tests have yeah. to be super atomic. Yeah, yeah, because it randomizes the order that it runs the test. Yeah, and that's funny because uh, any I've I've rolled my own tests in the past, and uh, and in particular didn't do that like random in order so like do all your creates mm -hmm. then do all your modifies and do all your deletes yeah. and then but uh it's it ended up being it makes sense on the surface but it ends up being a bad idea very yeah. quickly yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why i like the factor girl gym because it makes it super easy to have your your test really atomic like that because if you have if you want to test an update action say for instance, um, using Factory Girl to generate a record for the you know, to generate a record that you can update is it's super easy to do. It's it's one line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so like, like just to give people a sense of it, it's like, uh, you know, describe person do it has a valid factory. Yeah. Do Factory Girl create person should be valid. And now what is <laughs> I see other ones that say should not be valid. So is that explain that? Um, that's testing for instances where the API should fail and should return errors. For instance, if you're um, trying to create a person and you forget to send an email address, mm -hmm. and, or you upload a file that's too large, or, or you try and delete a record when you're not logged in. <laughs> right, trying to trying to delete a record that doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with like those sorts of uh, errors? So, so like, if you're trying to do things atomically, mm -hmm. you still need to log in, so, right? Right. Because right. I still need to, 
I still need to create the person for, that's going to be doing these things. So I'll I'll just I'll do that with Factory Girl, and I'll have Factory Girl return the person object, and then I'll take that person object and use um, in this instance, like for instance, an API key mm-hmm. that gets returned with that, and pass it in the um, in the header with the next request. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it would be two lines. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everything about this is just so easy to read, and uh, man, it's great. It looks really, really good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just, with the with an API, without a, any kind of graphical interface that you can load up there and look at, uh, to me, the testing feels even more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you and, sent a screenshot when when you run it, it show it's on the command line, but it does like this sort of nicely formatted tabular layout. Yeah. Yeah, it's Yeah, right. well that was a that was a very verbose output just to just to show you the default is you just get a, a green dot or an F. <laughs> yeah. And and it's all you know in you know in one line. But uh yeah, and um I mean yeah, but I mean a test fails, it'll show you Oh, this this test this test failed performing this action, and this was the error message, and and then you get a nice summary at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it gives you gives you the random seed that it used when it created when it ran those tests in case you want to run things again in that order. Cool. And do do um, are there other, there must be other um validate like these are just very binary like yeah, should yeah they're, not, very, they're very basic should and be valid like it gives me the impression that there are other options that you could put there yeah yeah there there are several um this is i haven't used rspect a, a ton mm-hmm. so i'm i'm sure there are many that i'm not aware of um but for this particular instance um and that that actually that kind of brings up another good point because um you know how do you how do you test something in our spec when you don't have a view and for me i found the best way to do it was just to use the um the controller testing mm-hmm. and um then just take the response that comes back from that and for instance you'll probably see them in there where i get the response body and i'll parse that that json object that gets sent back into into um into a hash table and just verify that a couple of the like some of the information that I'm looking for is in fact there. Oh and, yeah, I and see. make sure the status code is, you know, what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the model test before this. This the uh, the um, the controller tests are a lot more. I think they're a little bit more what I expected. Yeah. So for each block, it's like for each test, there's like you know five or six lines where it's like uh, you're setting the request environment that like it headers basically. Um, God, this is awesome. <laughs> it's really good. I, I'm sorry that, you know, I'm sorry this is just like audio. We have to do a screencast of this. It is great. We have to do one we can show off now. Yeah, totally. We should do like, um, we should do something like, like I don't know. Avelia is almost too simple. Do like, a, just do like a simple API for, oh, I've got it. I have the perfect one. Do like the Kilo API. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd it's, be great. It's like just enough. It's got just enough to it where it's like basically people and entries, you know, so you got kind of like two different kinds of objects. Yeah, we should, it would be so great if we could do that. Yeah. This is great. 
So thank you. It's a scintillating podcast. I know <laughs> me saying, wow, this coat is gorgeous, <laughs> but, uh, we, we have to, we have to do more with this. Yeah. It's like, I, I get bits of it done and I'd walk out of the office and Richard would be like, you're smiling. And I said, I said, yes. I said, very rarely do I write code that I want to print and frame, <laughs> but today I have. <laughs> yeah. We have to do a screencast of this, like where like you're kind of walking through it and I'll ask questions. I'll be the dumb guy okay, and be like, so why did you do that? Or how do you do this? Or you skipped over a piece that's obvious to you <laughs> and see if we can, cause I, I mean, a big piece of, of, you know, dear listener, a big piece of what we want to do is actually is not just, uh, not just, you know, it's like evangelize, it's not just evangelize it, but actually empower people to do this. Cause the more of this, the better. Holy mackerel. This is going to be it. This is it for me for PHP. I've said this like six times <laughs> on the podcast, yeah. like half a dozen times I've been like, I quit PHP, but this is really amazing. <laughs> Dang. All right. So enough of me gushing. No, no, you can continue. It's okay. <laughs> Compare this to some of the code we've looked at lately. Like, like, oh, oh I, I don't want to. Compare this to some of the code I've written. And, no, I mean, I don't want to yeah. name names. <laughs> Symphony. <laughs> <coughs> but, oh, my God. So, it, and, you know, if, if Thomas Love from Infinite is listening, he's probably said, I told you so, about 25 times. Yeah, probably. Because he did... And, he told and, me so like a year ago. Yeah, and I should apologize because he told you so and we ignored him and I'm about to hand him that project. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so, the Sinatra version. Yeah. I mean, it's Sinat- still better than the PHP version. But. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, and it's funny because one of the things he said, I was like, because my argument, one of my arguments was, well, why, why bring in all that view stuff when it's for an API. And he was like, yeah, but you always have an admin console. And you just said, like on the podcast, you like used the, the view files, right? <laughs> yeah. So Thomas Love, you were right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those guys know their stuff. Yep. <laughs> All right, cool. Did you have, did you have, uh, I feel like we're just, I don't know. Do we have more to talk about here? I feel like we need to do something like, like a little bit more visual in order to go deeper. Yeah, well, just the. I mean, I mean, mainly just the testing. There, there were parts. I will say, without the automated testing, there are parts of this API that, like, I would, I would still be pulling my hair out and getting nowhere on. Hmm. It, 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 it's something that sounds like it's kind of annoying to do at first, but in this case, it really was a huge time saver. I mean, I. I'm sure it saved me hours last night. Mm, cool. Just, wow, that's great. Especially when you're, like, for instance, if you're dealing with something where you have to upload a bunch of files at a time and, and deal with each one separately, and just yeah, you know, if, if you have to do all that manually through curl or something like that, it's just yeah, you know, forget it. Yeah, you can't reliably do it and say that yeah, I yeah. tested it properly. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right, dear listener, if you'd be interested in seeing a sort of live screencast with dumb guy watching Kelly program, <laughs> let us know on Twitter, because uh, I would certainly like to do that, but only if people are interested. <laughs> it would be fun to do. 
Yeah. All right, cool. So that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.